Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are in Chapter 13, I think it is, of the podcast. We've been talking about module systems, and I want to take a little digression into talking about modular data types. Sort of seems kind of related, and maybe there'll be some, you know, cross-fertilization there. And modular data types are a proposal, um, first, as far as I saw, first kind of at least crystallized um, by Swearster in this paper called Data Types a la Carte, which I linked from the show notes of the last previous episode. And it's a great paper. It's very accessible. If you're listening to this and you're kind of like, man, I don't know, I haven't really read a lot of papers, this is a pretty good one to check out. It's pretty understandable. It basically just is a walkthrough of some Haskell code. And clever, clever Haskell code. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, the Swearster is setting out to solve what Phil Wadler called the expression problem. And the problem is that in a pure functional language, um, if you have some data type, like say, a, you know, a canonical example is like a data type for syntax trees. So you have syntax trees representing some object language and you want to do things with them, like maybe writing a compiler or a pretty printer or anything, any kind of operations. Well... The expression problem is that basically in a functional language, if you want to add new functions over your data, this is easy. You just write another recursive function that pattern matches and recurses through your your data of your data type. But if you want to add a new constructor, you know, so if you want to say you're doing something with HTML and you've got syntax trees for HTML and say some working group proposes some new form of, you know, new element of HTML, and you want to add support for that. Well, you, you add it to your data type, but then you're forced to go and modify all that existing code you already have that works with HTML to um, account for this new construct. You have to add a case to it. I mean, the, these functions are written by pattern matching and recursion. Okay, so you're, gonna, you're now missing a case if you're pattern matching. You said what to do for all these different elements of HTML, but now there's a new one, and so you've got to change your code to say what to do with that new one. So the expression problem is kind of, how can we allow extension of our data types in such a way that we are not forced to go off and modify or even recompile all the code we already wrote? And Swearster's proposal in data types a la carte is a method for doing this, for solving this expression problem. And to understand his, so I introduced this last time, to understand uh, his solution Let's, we have to think about data types a little bit because what we're going to try to do is instead of writing a data type in one place, we're going to try to split our data type up, up, data type up into components, sort of little chunks of data type. Much like you have if you have um, a grammar, a context-free grammar for a language, uh, your grammar consists of a bunch of little subgrammars, like what's a grammar for Java? Well, at some point inside the grammar for Java, there's a grammar for methods of Java classes. You know, so it's like you there's little sub pieces, and we're going to split our data type up into little chunks as well. Like if you had a, say you had to switch examples to the one that Swearster uses, say you're trying to write some little calculator or you know the beginning start of an interpreter, and you have arithmetic expressions and Boolean expressions. Right, so in Swearster's example in his paper, he's like, we're going to kind of have these in little chunks, like rather than having a single expression data type that has plus and multiplication and numeric literals and if then else and boolean literals and whatever else, we're going to try to split these into little pieces. 
Okay. So to understand how that works, how that how that's going to work, we have to understand a little bit. You know, the basic idea in fear, in functional programming is that we have these these recursive data types, and you can do if you have a element of this of such a data type, you can pattern match on it. So in this example, you could say like, oh, is it um, an add expression? Is it a multiply expression? Is it an if then else expression? And so forth. So you can do a pattern match, and then you can also recurse. Right, so you're trying to recurse over um, the data because, in general, you know, if you have a, a syntax tree for a little arithmetic expression, right, it it's, has a nesting of operators. It's like, oh, this is an add of a multiply of a this of a that of a that. And um, inductive data types are ones where you just have finite trees built with the constructors of the data type. Right, so you can have add of mult of this of that or whatever. It can't go on forever, though. It has every path you take for your data has to stop. Okay, um, it can't go on. Uh, it can't go on forever. If you want paths of data types to go on forever, then you need co-inductive data types, and you get things like streams that we think of as like infinite lists that just go. You know, you've got an X and an X and an X forever. That's an interesting uh, programming abstraction too. But this approach is set up for inductive data types, even though he's working in Haskell. So. Um, I guess what he's doing would make sense for co-inductive types too. Actually, I'm not really sure. But let's just think about inductive data types because that's definitely definitely the setup he's coming from and, and the tools he's applying are from the world of inductive data types, not co-inductive ones. So um, anyway, so uh, an inductive data type is, um, you know, the values of the inductive data type, you, you can think of them, and we need to think of them this way for the Switzer's approach. You can think of them as uh, kind of coming in layers. So it's like, like, say I had an add of, a, like, add of two molts of some numbers, right? So say it was like um, two times three plus four times five or something like that, okay? So if you think about this as a tree, we start with the plus because I said it's a, it's, an, it's a sum of multiplications, so plus is the top node, then we go down to two multiply nodes, and then we went down to some a handful of numbers that are getting multiplied. Okay, so, but the point of this is to, to think about our data type as kind of coming in layers. There's sort of a plus at the top, then we go down, there's multiplications, then we go down a little more, and there's these numbers we're multiplying. Okay, and in general, the inductive data type says you can apply any of your constructors at one layer, and then you can kind of repeat that for any finite, you know, depth of layers that you want. So you can go down as far as you want. Now, the a basic approach in data types a la carte is to tear this expression data type abstraction apart into, let's rip it apart, let's kind of refactor it into something that kind of lets us describe the layers and then something that lets us say, oh, and by the way, you can repeat your layers as much as you want. Okay, and so the technical tool to describe the layers, we're going to describe the layers as functors. And uh, functors are um, an idea from category theory. And, uh, but the paper does a good job of not presupposing that you know a ton of category theory. And we don't need to understand a bunch of category theory because really the, the main idea it can be expressed it can be explained pretty simply. It's like, um, instead of having a single data type, you know, if we're going to describe a layer of an expression data type, we're kind of trying to say, well, 
you have your constructors, and then you have, uh, I don't know, something else. <laughs> okay? So, like, say you're trying to describe the add addition parts of your data type. The addition part. Okay, you'd say, well, I've got this sort of chunk of a data type. Let's call it, like, add expert. And in add expert, you apply the add constructor to two... Now, see, so you don't get to say experts at that point. We don't have a recursive data type for expressions here. We're trying to describe just the chunk of the data type that lets you slap an add constructor onto something. And so what you have to say is you're like, okay, well, um, add expressions, we, you have an add constructor applied to two, um, I don't know, they could be anything, so we have a type variable. So you say the add constructor takes in two x's of some type x that's a parameter to the data type definition for add experts. It says, well, you give me these two experts and I'll give you an add expert of x's. Okay, so now add expert, instead of just being a type, add expert becomes a type constructor. You tell add expert what the types of the two immediate subtrees that you're trying to express adding, what that type is, and then add expert, and then add will actually build you an add expert. Uh, syntax tree from these two x's of whatever type they are. So it's kind of like, again, if you think about the, the expert data type lets me express a half sort of layer of layer of layer of constructors, well, if I wanted to split out one of those layers and just talk about it by itself, um, I'm having to say, well, you get to apply add to then, well, whatever comes underneath the add. And if we don't want to define the expression data type all at once, as we're trying to avoid doing for modularity's sake, then we have to say, well, add expert, you just give it to somethings, and you're going to get an add expert of somethings. Okay? So, so being a functor um, means it, you have a type constructor. But f furthermore, this type constructor, to be a functor, it has to support um, mapping uh, similar to list mapping, right? If you remember, for um, or I'll explain briefly, like for mapping a list, like this is a basic function of pure functional programming, you're given a list of A's, so list where the elements are of type A, and you've got a function from A's to B's, then the list map operation is going to give you a list of B's. Okay, it just goes through the list and applies the function to all the elements and collects up the results. So um, to be a functor, you need to, uh, if a type constructor it's going to be a functor, it needs to support kind of the, the sort of natural generalization of list mapping. Um, lists, the list data type is a functor because it supports map, and other data types can be functors too. And basically what it means is whatever your type constructor is, like let's say add expert. So if you're given an add expert of A's, what does that mean again? It means you've got a syntax tree that says add, and then it has two values of type A underneath, where A, we don't know what A is because we're trying to separate out our layer from the, the recursive type for experts. So to be a, for add expert to be a functor, it means if you give me an add expert of A's, and you give me a function that turns A's to B's, then I can give you back an add expert of B's, which is totally obviously easy in this case. How would you write such a, an fmap function for add expert? Well, you just look at the add expert, you know it starts with add, and then it has two a's. So you make a new add expert that also starts with add, but now it has f of the, the first a and f of the second a, because you have this function that turns a's to b's. Okay, so, um, so we split out our layer, our chunks of our data type into functors like this. And um, what, do, what do we sort of achieve, or what's the kind of direction we're heading with this? Well, Clearly, we can now describe functors for all these different p 
pieces. We can break our da bigger data type up into whatever pieces we want. Or more helpfully, as Swearstra suggests, maybe we're kind of assembling a library or a, um, you know, the data types a la carte. It's like a la carte in a restaurant or something. I want to just pick this and this and this. So I get sort of a menu of different um, pieces of data types. And I want to assemble them into a, a bigger recursive type for, that has all those features, but only those. Right? So, um, so I describe my sort of sub-languages of interest as functors. Uh, and that already has achieved the, that we've split up our data type into these sort of little chunks. Now, how do we, how do we put them together? And how do we get the recursive type again? Um, right? Because we, we do want to have a recursive type at the end, we just want to assemble it from functors that are sitting there in our library of, of you know, bits of expression languages that we want. Uh, and so, um, explaining how we get recursion and how we get, uh, how we um, put those pieces back together into a recursive type, I will talk about that in the next podcast. So, thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope this was interesting for you. And, you know, hey, shoot me a line sometime if you want. I really enjoy getting email from people who listen to the podcast. You can tell me a little bit about what you do and what your interest is in this area. If you've got any questions for me, anything like that, hit me up. Um, I have hundreds of listeners, not tens of thousands. So um, you won't be ignored if you shoot me an email. Okay. Thanks for listening. Hope you're well wherever you are.